Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun owners in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today, you know what I want to discuss? I want to talk about the ATF Worksheet 499. So we're, we're going to have Edwin Walker. He's the principal attorney for Texas Law Shield and also U.S. Law Shield. He's going to discuss in depth the ins and outs of this ATF worksheet 4999 uh, regarding the stabilizing brace. Are we going to lose our AR pistols with a stabilizing brace? We're going to they're going to be banned. We're going to get a tax stamp. What are we going to? What do we have to do? You know what's going to happen? Also, Nancy Pelosi's husband needs a gun, and the Austin Police Department's gun buyback was a complete waste of time. As usual. Uh, so we're going to talk about that man. It's very sad. No one, no one should be subjected to violence. No one should be attacked. Uh, you should feel safe in your home. That's why in Texas we have what they call a castle doctrine. Uh, so if someone enters your home unlawfully, tries to remove you from your home unlawfully, you can use force, a deadly force, to stop them. So, and I'm just curious. What in the world was going on with his security? You know, as the spouse of the Speaker of the House, the third person in line for the presidency of the United States, why didn't they have security? Just curious. What's with the alarm system? Why didn't they have a gun? Never mind, it's California. We know why. But first, you know what? I want to talk about this ATF worksheet for 999. You know, what's going to happen with that? Are we going to lose our stabilizing brace? So let me bring it to the conversation. Edwin Walker, he's a principal attorney with Texas Law Shield and U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, welcome to come and talk it, sir. Well, thank you, Mike. It's always great to be here. Absolutely, sir. You know, so Edwin, you know, what's going on with this? Are we going to lose our AR pistols? You know, what's happening? Well, probably. I mean, you won't lose your AR pistol. What you'll lose is you will lose the ability to attach a stabilizing brace, 
um, or a stabilizing fin to uh, to the to the AR pistol. So as long as as if you don't need one of these, if you don't use one, if you don't um, you know if it, if, if it's not your thing, then you really don't have to worry at all. You're still governed by the same old law that a, a handgun is a firearm designed to be fired with one hand. We have AR pistols, we have AK pistols. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it. This is just about people who like the stabilizing braces, they like the fins. And, you know, I'm sure that your longtime listeners to this show uh, will recall that we've been discussing these things for years and years and years, probably what six seven years now um, as to whether or not they're legal are they illegal Um, so uh, just you know if if just to re-educate or educate some of your listeners about it um, of course uh, SBRs are illegal they've been illegal since the uh, since the advent of the National Firearms Act what they're designed to do, what the law is designed to do is to prevent uh, the proliferation of short-barreled rifles and short-barreled shotguns. Uh, so what it was originally designed to do is, uh, you know, they wanted to prevent shotguns from being cut off so that they could be hidden under trench coats because uh, all these were supposed to be used by gangsters. And so that was the original purpose of the law, was just simply to make rifles and shotguns to not be concealable weapons. And then it sort of evolved into all of this other stuff um, with regard to uh, with regard to people, you know, modifying and is it an SBR, is it a handgun? And so about 10 years ago, or a little over 10 years ago, uh, these folks developed a stabilizing brace to help um, to help veterans who had been injured, who had lost a certain amount of strength or coordination in their hand uh, to assist them in shooting the uh, shooting an AR or an AK pistol. Um, <clears throat> so that's what it was designed to do. But it, of course, looks suspiciously like a stock. Mm. And so, you know, the rule has always been you can't attach a stock to a handgun. The minute you attach a stock to a handgun, it's an SBR. It needs to be registered. It needs to have a tax paid for it. The ATF has to approve your ownership of it. Uh, so they went to the ATF and they said, hey, this stabilizing brace, this is its function. This is what it was designed to do. Does it make this handgun a short barrel rifle? And the ATF said, no, if it does, you know, if you've designed it to be an arm brace, people use it as an arm brace, it is an arm brace. It is not a stock. Uh, But people just kept on asking and asking and pestering the ATF well, what if I put it up to my shoulder? Well, you can't put it up to your shoulder. Well, what if I put wrap duct tape around it and put a pad on the back? Does that make, well, no, you can't do that. Why people kept bugging the ATF about this is beyond me. Why they didn't just take the answer, no, it's not a stock and be happy with it and go live your life without it being a stock. Why did they keep going to the ATF to say, well, what if I do this? And what if I do that? What if I do this with it? (laughs) And so finally the ATF says, 
all right, it finally, it gets on the radar of the legislature, you know, the, the, the congressmen, the, the, the administration, I don't think they would have ever known anything about this, except for people kept bringing up the issue. Mm. And so finally, um, if you look at all of the recent uh, proposed assault weapon ban legislation, it all includes weapons that are affixed with a stabilizing brace. So that's one thing that we, we better be that we better be aware of uh, that the you know the anti-gun folks they want to ban this they want the stabilizing braces to go they want them to go uh, they want to classify them as accessories for assault weapons and so be very very wary of that that's definitely uh, within their sights so in order to kind of incrementally get there now the ATF has created this instead of creating a bright line, instead of creating a black and white rule that we all can understand, the ATF has instead created this. All right. And, and, so, and, and, and so it's funny, Edwin, because, you know, like you said, you know, people continually poke the bear. You poke the bear, you know, you're, you, you're going to get that response that you don't want. Uh, and I, yeah, and I don't, I don't understand why people kept doing that. And I don't, I've never told you this, but I'm actually 80% disabled from the military. I'm a disabled veteran by 80%. And one of my disabilities is my, my wrist, my arm. I actually have a metal plate with uh, seven screws in my wrist. Yeah. So I try to use the stabilizing brace to actually fire an AR pistol, you know? So that's why, you know, I actually have one. So to lose this, or to have to get a tax stamp, I think it's going to be a burden. I, I shouldn't have to pay an extra fee to do this, you know, to get this. Uh, so we come back from the break. We're going to go in detail with this. Uh, Edwin Walker, he's a principal attorney with Texas Law Shield and also U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace, this is Maj Ture. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back, and we're talking with Evan Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas Law Shield and U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about the stabilizing brace. We're talking about are they going to be banned, what's going to happen come December, when it's going to happen. Uh, yes, we have our four-legged friends inside the studio. That's why we have our kids with us today. We do. We're talking about that ATF worksheet for 999. Also, we're going to talk about Nancy Pelosi's husband, going to talk about the Austin Police Department, their gun buyback program, and how successful or unsuccessful that was. Uh, but you know what? Let's go back to Edwin Walker. He's telling us about the ATF worksheet, the 4999, that stabilizing brace worksheet. Right. Well, I want to uh, make sure that your listeners know that uh, this rule has been very long in the making. This has been going on for the last two years. <clears throat> And the rule is supposed to come out in December. And so there's been this proposed rule. They've already made this worksheet, uh, but it is not in effect right now. So who knows? Something may happen between now and December. Maybe it doesn't go into effect. Um, but so in December, we will officially know whether or not this rule is in effect. And then, of course, uh, it doesn't it's not enforceable or like we, I know we keep saying going to effect, but then it technically does not become effective as in you better have done something with your braces until April of 2023. Mm. And so that's the, that's the deadline that we're actually looking at. So in December, you will find out whether or not you have to do something about your stabilizing braces. And then you will have 120 days ending in April, 2023 to actually do something about your stabilizing braces. And the ATF has put forward several options, uh, of course, destroying and selling it or surrendering it to the ATF are always two of the options. Uh, then, of course, there's registering it as a short-barreled rifle in the event that you don't have a qualifying stabilizing brace, uh, or detaching it, just simply detaching it and, and retaining its your your firearm's identity as a uh, as an AR handgun um, without a stabilizing brace. So, all those are options that you could do between December and April, assuming this rule goes into effect. Now. Uh, Assuming that it does, what we have is, like I showed your listeners early, the uh, form 4999, uh, however you want to call it. You can get this on the ATF. People who are interested can go and read the rule. I believe the rule is like 80 pages, 80 plus pages, and look at the form. And what it, what it is, is it's a scoring sheet. And so you actually have to pull out your AR platform rifle. And you have to, you know, if it has the stabilizing brace, look at it with the stabilizing brace and then go through each one of these criteria and decide whether or not you are in possession of an item, a firearm that should be registered as a short barreled rifle. And it's broken down into three sections. Uh, you have to pass section one first. Section one is two qualifying issues. Uh, if the weapon weighs, it must weigh at least four pounds. It must weigh at least 64 ounces because the ATF believes that if you are using a firearm that weighs less than four pounds, then you do not need a stabilizing brace and there should not be a stabilizing brace on it. 
Okay, so it has to weigh at least 64 ounces, uh, again, four pounds, um, and it must be between 12 and 26 inches long. Uh, if it's over 26 inches long, then you have a regular rifle, depending upon how long the barrel is. Uh, so, um, and if it's under 12 inches, uh, then again, you should not have a stabilizing brace on it. Um, you can have, you can shoot a 12 inch gun without the necessity of a stabilizing brace. So those are your two, what they call qualifying questions. So if you, you know, you, you have to meet those two before you even go on to section two and section two actually examines the arm brace itself and they, they score this. And you have to get three points or less. So however you want to say that. If you get four points, you're disqualified. So if you have four points or over, you now have a, an SBR. If you have three points or less, then you have a, uh, you have a handgun with a proper stabilizing brace. And so you look at the characteristics of the stabilizing brace, how it's designed, what is, what is the rear surface area, um, what, what is this, uh, its adjustability, what is its stabilizing support. And it's got several things that you read. Some of them are unclear. Some of them are very clear. Some of them are ambiguous. Like one of my kind of, one of the kind of interesting ones with regard to surface area is that, um, <clears throat> pardon me, um, uh, does the surface area, uh, does the device incorporate features to prevent its use as a shouldering device? And so I'm curious as to what that is. What does that actually mean? Does that mean that it has spikes on the back? Does that mean it has razor blades on the back? You know, what exactly, how do, what exactly is the design uh, that, that discourages its use as a stabilizing brace? Um, and then, of course, you have the opposite of that. You have, uh, does it have material that's been added to increase the rear surface area for shouldering? So have you put a pad on it? Have you, you know, built some sort of additional buffer that's on it? Uh, and, and each one of these, of course, has a point assigned to it. And you go through the entire list and you actually write down your points. Uh, and then at the bottom of section two, you add up those points. And if your points are zero or one or two or three, then you're able to move on to section three. If, of course, your points total four or higher, then you do not move on to section three. You do not pass go. You instead pay $200 to the ATF to register it as an SBR. So now that's just with the device itself. That's just with the stabilizing brace itself. Now the next section is whenever you look at the weapon as a whole and you start from zero, okay? So you get to have up to three points for section two and you get to have up to three points for section three. So it's not four points total cumulative for both sections. You can have up to six points cumulative, uh, but you cannot have more than four in any, any particular, you cannot have four or more in any particular section. And so again, you look at the criteria that they've given you with the length of pull. Now the length of pull is the distance between the middle of the trigger and the furthest locked position of the uh, of the stabilizing brace. 
um, because, and they get this actually from the design of rifles. So they look at the design of rifles and actually the length of pull, I believe that definition was actually created by the NRA itself as to how, so they co-opted the NRA. They said, okay, we're going to take the NRA's definition of how you determine length of pull and we're going to apply it now to this. And if your length of pull um, for your listeners who are watching, you know, on the internet, if your length of pull is 13 and a half inches or over, then you're automatically out. Like you don't, you don't go any further than that. So your length of pull has to be under 13 and a half inches in order for you to your weapon to stay in the game of possibly being a legal handgun with a legal stabilizing brace on it. Um, so, but that we don't end there. Like I said, you look at the whole thing. And so you then have to look at how it's attached, how the stabilizing brace is attached. Uh, you have to look at the stabilizing brace, how it's configured. And one of the more interesting ones of these are um, that you've got your automatic disqualifiers once again. So your stabilizing brace is automatically considered to be a shoulder stock uh, if it is a cuff type design uh, with the straps removed. It is a brace accessory that has been modified for shouldering, or if it is a modified shoulder stock as in it was originally built as a shoulder stock and you're now trying to claim, oh, well, I had a shoulder stock, but I put a strap on it and I converted it to a brace. Um, so those, those are all for disqualifying. And then the ATF goes so far to actually look at your accessories. And so have you put accessories onto your AR style pistol in order to make it a short barreled rifle? And so uh, the accessories that of course you have to be wary of are the presence of a hand stop. So that's gonna give you two points. Uh, the presence of a secondary grip, as we all know, that is absolutely disqualifying. So if you have a weapon that has had a grip added to it that makes it designed to be fired with two hands, then regardless, if it's a handgun, you've made it into an AOW. If it's, a, if it's, a, if it's an AR style, then you've uh, again made it into an NFA weapon. So handgun, secondary grip, secondary grips are disqualifying. Uh, then you have, uh, then they focus in on the sights, which I found this to be very interesting. Um, and this is really hyper-technical. And this is where really the assistance of a gun dealer would come in to be very helpful to kind of explain. Um, so if you just got regular flip-up sights, that's one point, no big deal. Uh, but then if you have a reflex sight with FTS magnifier with limited eye relief, that's two points. And then a complete disqualifier is the presence of a sight or scope with eye relief incompatible with one-handed fire. Now, I have difficulty understanding what that means. Maybe you can enlighten me, Mike, as to what exactly, what type of sight falls into that category, because that's a dis, that's, that is four points right there. Again, you got to pay, you got to pay $200 and get your firearm registered. If it is a AR pistol and it has that type of sight on it. All right. And when we come back, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you finish that thought. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Peace. This is Maj Ture. You're listening to Come and Talk It Radio with Michael Cargill. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. We're back, and we're talking with Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas Law Shield and U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about the ATF Worksheet 4999. Edwin was talking to us about the breakdown here, and we're going through the worksheet. You know, we're talking about Section 1, Section 2, Section 3. We're talking about the length. You know, we're talking about, I'm confused. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, no, it's very confusing. And like I said, I, I, I can you, as an experienced firearm seller, tell me and the listening audience, what is a sight or scope with eye relief incompatible with one-handed fire? What What is that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm saying is I, that is disqualifying. I mean, that's like, it doesn't matter what you could have the world's most perfect setup for being a, a, a handgun an AR handgun with a proper stabilizing brace. But if you've got this sight on there, you're, you're, you're out. You have made it, you have somehow by the, by the, by the, by the introduction of the site, you have now made it a short barrel rifle. And see, and see I don't know what our, that is. our laws should not be this complicated. You know, we're supposed to be able to figure out what the law is. You're supposed to have a certain uh, level of education, you know, to understand base, you know, just, just laws uh, that we're, mm-hmm. we're governed by. Um, oh yeah. And, and it shouldn't be this complicated. So this is, I mean, that's a lawsuit in itself, Edwin. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I fully believe that, especially in light of uh, of, uh, of New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin, in light of West Virginia versus the EPA, um, this is absolutely going to be the subject of many years of litigation. Um, so, but we just certainly hope that no innocent people get caught in this web, mm. uh, because the kicker, one of the real kickers to all of this, is that even if you go through the worksheet and you do the worksheet properly and you filled it out and you filled it out to the best of your ability. And you've come up with, I got three points on, I'm, I'm perfectly qualified under section one. I got three points under section two. I've got three points under section three. Um, and so I should be good to go. The ATF 
has still reserved to itself the ability to come in and look at your firearm and say, no, we still think that's an SBR. So SBR either forfeited or, you know, register it during the amnesty period, which really is an amnesty. And so it's a, it, it is a veritable minefield. And, and now, for those what, of that are out there, I call in numbers 512-643-5483. That's 512-643-5483. Give us a call if you have not. You, you got something you want to say about this, you have a question about this, give me a call at 512-643-5483. Cause and even for me, you know, this is really confusing. And Edwin, you know, my question to you is, you know, can we do like um is it possible to do like an injunction, you know, to say, hey, cease and desist, you know, stop this, uh, let's not let this go into effect. Is that even possible? My audio feed has cut off, so I don't know if you asked me a question oh, or not, no. so because I cannot hear you at all. Oh, okay. I said, okay. What what I was um, what I was asked? Well, just once again, our calling number is five one two six four three five four eight three. That's five one two six four three five four eight three. Definitely give me a call, and you know let's let's try to work through this because this is gonna, it's going to be very confusing. So, Edwin, my question okay. to you sure. is. Um, can we do like an injunction or something? Is there something that we can do? We can follow something. You know, me being a veteran, 80% disabled veteran uh, from the from the military, United States Army. I have a metal plate, seven screws in my wrist there. Can I do like a cease and desist? Well, as soon as the rule comes out, as soon as it's, it's finalized and it's actionable, um, then yes, there should be some sort of, I'm, I'm quite confident that there will be uh, many groups across the country, many individuals who will try to get injunctive relief on the, um, on the uh, imposition of this rule. Now, also one thing that occurred to me is that for a very enterprising uh, individual who maybe has a gun shop or is an FFL, uh, they could actually then set up a service to go ahead and for, say, 50 bucks, take a look at somebody's weapon and go through the worksheet with them and see if it qualifies or disqualifies. And I think an enterprising person could make a few bucks off of this, could definitely create some sort of side hustle about uh, explaining explaining the 499 worksheet to people to see if they're See if their firearms are qualified or disqualified. Oh, man. I don't know if I want to take that responsibility on. Uh, well, <laughs> you'd have to have a waiver. You'd have to have a really nice waiver. But, uh, you know, there, some people are going to be better than others. Yeah. Uh, you know, if there's uh, retired ATF agents out there, I think mm. they can definitely definitely make a, make a you know, like I said, make a side hustle out of this. Absolutely. Because, yeah, it's complicated. You're absolutely right. Rules should not be this complicated. No. And you should not have to do a worksheet to figure out if your firearm is, you know, is a prohibited weapon or not, if you have to pay a tax on it. It's the whole thing really does border on absurd. And that's kind of why I, I made, a, a, you know, I kind of referred back at the very beginning to the congressman who wrote this law back in 1934 yeah. to see that, you know, now almost 90 years later, uh, I'm sure that they would be like, look, we just wanted to prevent gangsters from having sawed off shotguns under their overcoats. That's all we wanted to do. 
And now it has turned into this ridiculousness. Wow. All right, let's go to our, our phone lines there. Let's go to Adam from Austin, Texas. Adam, you're on with Come and Talking. Go How's ahead. you going, Michael? All right, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What you got for us? I'm just curious on how it is possible that the ATF, a part of the executive branch, is able to even muscle laws and, and change laws and say what is legal or not legal and not go to Congress mm. to the ones who make the laws. Like, how is it that they're able to just make these rules? Wasn't there a Supreme Court ruling, too, recently with the EPA saying that they can't do that or they're clarifying it? So how, how do they justify even doing this? So, Edwin, you know, we have that School Rock song, you know, School Rock, you know, where how a bill becomes a, a law just, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, this is because Congress is fundamentally lazy and um, Congress is fundamentally lazy. And Congress, many, many decades ago, uh, sphered out of its constitutional restraints. And they basically said, we can regulate anything and everything that we want to in America, whatever it is, down to the most fundamental aspects of a human's life, we can regulate that. Um, and that was something that they were never intended on being able to do. And so whenever they decided we get the right to regulate all of human behavior, because we're the Congress, then they soon figured out, wow, we don't, there are not enough hours in the day, there are enough days in the year for us to regulate, for us to actually sit down and write laws and debate laws about everything there is. Uh, so we are going to abdicate our responsibility about actually creating rules and regulations to various administrative agencies. And so what Congress does is they pass a law that says we want to do this in order to effectively do this. We are giving the power to an administrative agency, which is part of the executive branch, to an administrative agency to go ahead and write the rules. Mm. Um, I once saw one statistic years ago, um, because this is something that's been an irritant of mine ever since I was in college and in law school. And I wish I could remember it entirely accurately now, but I think there's something like uh, the definition of cabbage in the CFR, which stands for Code of Federal Regulations, the Department of Agriculture's definition of cabbage, I believe, is over 10,000 words long. And the Constitution itself uh, is only like, you know, 5,000 words long. And so it was a very interesting juxtaposition how our founding document, our blueprint for how to run an effective government is half as long as an administrative agency's definition of cabbage. And so that is what's happened over the years. And, you know, the caller is absolutely right. Um, there used to be a thing in administrative law called Chevron deference, which basically was the Supreme Court's, uh, uh, the, basically the Supreme Court's blessing to administrative agencies that they, the Congress does has to have the power to defer to them. And that was really fundamentally changed this particular year. 
uh, this particular Supreme Court session that, that just ended uh, or that ended this summer, we're now into a new Supreme Court session, um, that now created the rule uh, West Virginia versus EPA, where if it is a crucial question, if it's, a, if it's an important question, uh, then Congress does not have the ability to abdicate that to the administrative agencies. An administrative agency that does undertake that is acting outside of its bounds. And so it's really going to be interesting how that Supreme Court decision is now used going forward. And I believe this is a perfect example of something that probably falls outside the scope of what uh, an administrative agency is allowed to do. All right. So, and, and Edwin, I'm curious on how the uh, the bump stock case, the Cargill versus um, Garland, is going to play into this as it makes its way up, hopefully, to the Supreme Court. Because right now, Cargill versus Garland is actually in the Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit is debating this case. And hopefully within the next two, three weeks, uh, we're going to hear a ruling from the Fifth Circuit. And if it's you know in the favor of Cargill, then that case... It's probably going to be challenged by the government to go to the Supreme Court, um, and the Supreme Court will decide this, and, and Chevron deference is an issue in that case. We come back from the break. I want you to talk about that a little bit, um, how that case, the bump stock case, Cargill versus Garland, could affect um, this you know, form that we're talking about now, the worksheet. We come back from the break. We're talking about this and more. You're going to learn today. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Williford, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with Evan Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas Law Shield and U.S. Law Shield. We're talking about... The ATF Worksheet 4999, the Stabilizing Brace. Um, and I was asking Edwin about the bump stock case and how that's going to affect uh, the Stabilizing Brace and this worksheet, the you know the ATF Worksheet 4999. Because there are two bump stock cases that are still out there that are, um, that are moving forward. Now, one of those cases is the McCutcheon, McCutcheon versus USA. And the other case is Cargill versus Garland. Now, the McCutcheon case, you know, that's eh, that's a little different case. The plaintiffs are not seeking to overturn the bump stock ban. Rather, they contend that the government is required under the Fifth Amendment to, con- to the Constitution to compensate them for taking away their bump stocks. So they're basically just looking for compensation for losing the bump stocks. And that's the McCutcheon case uh, versus the uh, United States government. But the Cargill versus uh, Garland, that's, you know, basically, you know, that's throwing in a couple different things here. We're talking about the Chevron difference. We're talking about the ATF uh, creating law, basically, you know, can ATF create law? So we're asking, you know, this case to move forward to the Supreme Court, you know, go to the Fifth Circuit, over the Fifth Circuit, you know, rules in our favor, and then makes it to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court will rule on this case. And I'm just curious on how, you know, Edwin thinks uh, this case will affect the ATF worksheet 4999, Edwin. Um, yeah, it's um, it actually is kind of ironic that um, 
that you share the same last name as the plaintiff in Cargill versus Garland. I find that to be very, very coincidental that that uh, that that happens. So, uh, so no, but you you are to be uh, praised in your pursuit of this um, because yeah, this is this is going to be monumental. This is going to be a great case. Um, I I think that the, the Fifth Circuit is going to. Uh, rule in your favor and that they're going to find that the bump stock regulation exceeds the authority that has been given to uh, the ATF. And I think that they'll find that the ATF um, engaged in an unconstitutional act uh, whenever they sought about uh, redefining uh, what a machine gun was. Mm. And so I think the same thing can be here because Basically, that's what this whole worksheet is based on, is the definition, you know, arguing about what the definition of a rifle is, is that a rifle is something, a firearm that is designed to be fired from the shoulder, uh, and a handgun is a firearm that is designed to be fired with one hand. It uh, doesn't matter if you do fire it with two hands. You can, you know, they, they, they haven't gone that far as to say you're explicitly prohibited from holding a firearm with two hands because we both know that that's obviously the safest way to fire a handgun. Um, so this is, you know, you're dealing with an agency who has exceeded the scope of its authority, who has basically uh, adopted these issues to take on. Um, and that's the weird thing about it is that this is not a directive from Congress. This is not Congress saying, you know, passing a new law that says, hey, ATF, tell us whether or not bump stocks are this is a directive from the um from the executive and so this is you know involves constitutional issues uh now that we have bruin it involves uh, second amendment issues about whether or not this type of regulation is it violates the second amendment um and it's a separation of powers mm. issues does the administration, does the executive branch have the authority, the constitutional authority, to basically take a law that has been in existence since, you know, since since 1934, since 1968, and re-examine it? You know, it's been around, you know, even the 1968 uh, Gun Control Act has been around for over 50 years. So after 50 years, it needs to be re-examined to tell us what is and isn't a firearm designed to be fired from the shoulder? Um, no, I think that this, this clearly, uh, you know, if the Supreme Court continues on the trend and if the lower courts, the circuit courts, follow the Supreme Court's lead that has been set out um, this past session with, you know, with regard to, like I said, West Virginia, with regard to a couple of uh, Medicare cases that were decided, and they want to, um, they want to try to rein in these kind of rogue administrative agencies, I think the ATF is definitely going to be at the top of the list. Mm. 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 All right. So, and once again, our call-in number, folks, if you got a question for Edwin, is 512-643-5483. That is 512-643-5483. Come and talk it. All right. So, um, so Edwin, uh, what, what else is – so this is the worksheet, the 4999 – uh, this whole form here is going to go into effect. You're saying in March, if nothing in April. in April, okay, in April, in April, if nothing surprisingly happens. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so 
like I said, this process has been an extraordinarily long process. Um, they were assuming that rules were going to come out in August. They didn't. Um, there has been the, there's this there's a proposed rule. So the way that the way that rulemaking happens is that the administrative agency creates a rule. They take comments on it. They review the comments. They decide which comments are good, which are bad. Do they alter the rule? Uh, then they take this all under advisement, and they the the Basically, they, the administrative agency goes back into their star chamber and they fix things the way they, they want them to be. And then they put out this final rule. And so the final rule comes out and they're like, this is the way the rule is. And uh, of course, um, it does, you know, fortunately, it, it allows there, there is a time period where people who are outside uh, the rule, as in they are in violation of the rule, they have four months or 120 days to bring themselves into compliance with the rule before they can be charged with a crime. So, and, all right. Uh, so, so what does that mean? Does that mean uh, that starting April or that means by April? So that means by April. Gotcha. And yeah. so what right now we're dealing with the proposed rule. So we're looking at the proposed rule. The proposed rule contained this worksheet. We're all talking about, you know, how do we comply with the rule? And then in December, we will find out the answer. December, they will either say the proposed rule is actually the final rule. They will say we revised the proposed rule to make additions or take, take out pieces. <coughs> Pardon me. Or they may decide... All right, real quick, Edwin, I'm going to go to the phone lines there. We got uh, Billy from Round Rock. Billy, Round Rock. Uh, go ahead, Billy. How's it going, everybody? Uh, Michael, thank you so much for this information. This is uh, extremely timely and important, and uh, thanks for always being a, a voice uh, for, for gun owners. A um, couple of things. First of all, I, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when they were talking about that eye relief scope, Mm -hmm. uh, earlier, I, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was when hunters you know, use revolvers and they use those little, I think it's two by 20 or three by 20 type scopes. I wonder if that's what they mean. Like if you had a, an actual scope other than a red dot on, on your, your, uh, your pistol, if they, if they mean something like that, like something like that would make sense at arm's length mm -hmm. versus you know, let's say uh, your basic one to four or one to six, you know, by 24, you know, uh, LPVO. Right. I, I'm just wondering if that's what they mean. But I, and I'll, you know, in a second, I'll let you clarify that. Okay. But my, my question for Edwin, and he sort of was alluding to this a moment ago about, you know, the whole impetus for HCF going after braces like this. Um, clearly, this is coming from the Biden administration, or at least I think it is. But the root of it, I'm still not sure about. So, you know, it, I would have to think in my mind that they're thinking somehow, some way, that doing this makes people safer somehow. But I just can't make sense of why they think that. Um, you know, if so if if I've got a if I've got a, a pistol AR or an AR pistol that you know would be considered um, 
you know, it would score all the points on that on that little sheet. And so I I either remove the brace or I decide to SBR it. So I pay two hundred bucks. I still have the thing, right? So who 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 who's being who are they looking out for? Is 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 the question? And and I'm sorry to be so long winded about that, but um, as you can tell, I'm probably frustrated. <laughs> A lot of us are frustrated. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if they could tell me, if somebody could tell me the why behind this, like we're trying to keep somebody safe, and the brace for some whatever reason is making somebody unsafe, you know, then maybe I can I can try to wrap my mind around it. All right, and I'm gonna let Edwin answer that question on the other side of the break there. But hold on, Billy, don't go anywhere, you know, because I think you're right, you know, because uh, by doing this and changing these laws, these laws affect a certain group of people. We're talking about, you know, the poor, you know, the middle class, you know, the poor and the middle class, because they're the ones that can't afford the tax stamp, you know, go through the process and all that kind of stuff, you know, get a. Uh, yeah get the form four and, and do the fingerprints and all that stuff and pay the $200 fee, you know, to get these items. So they're, they're targeting a certain group of people for sure. And, and maybe that's what it is, but we'll find out. We come back from the break, you know, what your thoughts are, what Edwin has to say about that as well. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to come and talk it. Hey, this is AWR Hawkins, Bright Bar News. You're listening to come and talk it with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about the uh, ATF worksheet 4999. We're talking about, you know, how this stuff pertains to, you know, other cases, you know, what's going to happen down the road, who this applies to. And honestly, I do think, you know, Billy raises a very good question. Um, I, I think it's going to, you know, the whole purpose of doing this, who, who does this hurt? You know, you know who, who's committing crimes with, AR pistols with with braces on them. I don't think anyone's committing crimes with them. So what are we trying to do? What are we trying to fix? Uh, I think by doing this, you know, doing this, we're targeting the poor, you know, and the middle class. Also, this talk of universal background checks is another way of targeting uh, the poor and the middle class as well, because uh, middle class and the poor are the ones that are usually, you know, uh, in the system and get arrested and and can't you know either purchase a gun or or something like that. And so if we pass universal background checks, if we if we pass you know we we get into this worksheet, this forty nine ninety nine, uh, then this is going to affect those people as well. But you know what? I'm curious what Edwin Walker with Texas Law Shield and U.S. Law Shield thinks as well. Edwin. Well, uh, you know, your caller Billy is is very correct and very insightful in that he asks the question that we all should be asking, and that is, what is the goal here? What is the purpose here? So yeah, you're, you know, you spoke to the consequence and the consequence is going to be that it does, you know, as does most firearm regulation affect, you know, disproportionately affect the poor and the middle class in order, you know, in order for them to effectively be able to execute their, uh, uh, execute their second amendment rights. Um, so, and, and to what end, to what end do we have? Uh, it's just like, I think that, um, you know, like I said, the original law didn't really make any sense. Um, uh, short barrel rifles are not more deadly than regular rifles. Short barrel shotguns are not more deadly. Uh, they just simply are concealable. 
and that was you know with the you know with the proliferation of of handguns you know concealability really is a non-issue in a lot of these and so if you look at what you know if the original purpose was to help eliminate concealability of rifles and shotguns how does going after the stabilizing brace or going after the people who use or attempt to use the stabilizing braces as a stock what is the safety question what is the safety concern um because yeah there hasn't been there hasn't been a proliferation of of crimes committed with uh short barrel rifles and I, and i think this is just simply a shift in the anti-gun culture, the anti-gun philosophy, because years ago, keep in mind that um, up until the mid-90s, I would say, uh, all gun control legislation or all gun control advocacy was focused on handguns. Mm. Uh, the big, the big, um, you know, the scary bugaboo firearm that was going to bring down Western civilization in 1970 was the the Saturday Night Special. You know, it was a cheap handgun that somebody could, you know, could use to to kill somebody. I mean, you know, Leonard Skinner wrote a song about it. Uh, it appeared on the cover of Time magazine, on the cover of Life magazine, as being the most dangerous weapon in America. Mm. And so, uh, as that did not really come to fruition, uh, the, of course, the anti-gun folks had to move their alarmist rhetoric to something else, and it it focused then on assault rifles or assault weapons. And, you know, you know how much I hate using that word because it doesn't <laughs> make sense. It's a made up word. It's a made up anti-gun word. And so I think that the way that it, it sort of progressed is that uh, if assault rifles are not scary enough, then of course they have to turn their attention to assault pistols and assault pistols. The way you make assault pistols scarier is you say that they can be made more accurate and more deadly with the inclusion of a stock. Therefore anything that possibly resembles a stock, even though adding a stock to a handgun has already been illegal for almost 90 years if you have anything that even resembles or can be adapted to be used as a stock, that has to be stamped out as well. And I think that's where we got here um, because I think it's just the anti-gun folks looking for the next boogeyman. And, I, I, and the next boogeyman right now happens to be an AR pistol with something that can be used as a stock. And I, I think this also targets the people in the senior citizen community as well, because we have every Sunday we get about 20 people that take a firearm safety course with us uh, in this past. You know, today, this Sunday, today, we had a group of black women, uh, older black women that actually took the firearm safety course and they hated the shotgun, you know, but they love the AR-15. And so uh, and, and but the AR itself was a little long, so they rather have the a pistol version of the AR instead. And with them being older, having a brace makes it a little easier for them because as we get older, you know, it's kind of hard to pull, you know, slides back. It's kind of hard to, um, you know, pull the charging handle, things of that nature. But with a brace where you can stabilize yourself, 
you know, and hold the, you know, the pistol, the AR pistol, and then you can pull the charger handle a little easier that way as you get older, you know, with arthritis and things of that nature. Uh, so by banning these, you know, stabilizing brace, we're actually definitely targeting the older generation. You know, we're saying, hey, as a senior citizen, you know, you shouldn't be able to protect or defend yourself. Uh, and these ladies were definitely drawn toward the AR pistol more so than they were a shotgun or any other firearm at all. They didn't even, you know, the handgun, they liked the AR, the AR pistol better. And so they were trying to get AR pistols and a suppressor. These were older black women, you know, and that this yeah. is what I've been dealing with, you know, in the last two years. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing about it is, is that if you look at these practically, if you don't bring any kind of political or anti-gun bias to it, both the stabilizing brace and the suppressor are safety features. They're actually something that makes a firearm more safe uh, than, you know, than, than, of course, they, you know, the, the left wants to say it makes it more deadly, uh, but it actually makes it more safe. Um, you know, stabilizing brace does, you know, it does allow people to defend, you know, weaker people uh, to defend themselves. Okay, we lost Edwin there for a second. We'll get him back here in, in a minute there. Edwin, if you can hear us, we can't hear you. Um, but, um, and then, all right, and then uh, Billy, let me go and address another portion of your question there. Billy, you said, uh, Michael, wouldn't the, that the scope that wouldn't allow clear view of at arm's length thinking how revolver hunters use those three by 20 scopes with a 14 inch eye relief. I think you may be right about that. Uh, and I'm going to have to talk with um, Matthew, my gun nerd at the office there and, and, and talk about that and see if we can put our heads together and see if we can figure out what the ATF is talking about and also make a couple phone calls to the ATF and see what they have to say, you know, about that. So that's another great question there, Billy. Um, I don't know if you're still on with us. Yeah, you're still there. Can you hear me there, Billy? And, and I don't want to hold the line. I'll let other people call in. But I just want to say that uh, Edward made some great points, uh, as did you. Um, someone in the comments mentioned how, you know, th there might be an ADA uh, issue with this. I think they might be on to something mm -hmm. uh, as well as, you know, this being, uh, you know, of course, as, you, as everybody knows, the, the stabilizing grace was created for, you know, our wounded veterans. And, and then you brought up the issue of class. So you've got elderly, mm -hmm. you've got the disabled, mm -hmm. uh, including veterans, and you have uh, low-income to moderate-income individuals. That's right. I think you might have another lawsuit, bro. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And I, I think Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I'm getting up there in age, too, Zach. You know, I'm, I'm 53. So. You are, yeah. When the uh, first class was waiting for you, they said, Oh, we're gonna have to put out an amber alert. <laughs> and I said, No, you gotta put out a silver alert. <laughs> See, that 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 first class was rowdy. <laughs> they were kind of rowdy. They were they were definitely rowdy. They were they were me. They 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 showed up like uh, I guess two Sundays in a row at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, they were excited about going to the range and shooting. They were. And it was the F1 weekend. I was like, I'm sorry, ladies. Uh, and I, I see these ladies, you know, outside the building there, 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday this past weekend. It's like, unfortunately, this is the one weekend we're not doing a firearm safety course because of the F1 race. And our, our gun range is down, you know, that road there. We don't want to get caught up in traffic. And so they were out there for a good hour. And I woke up and saw them out there. It's like, oh, my goodness, we have people waiting on us, you know, to get into the shop. So I, you know, 
talk to them through the speaker and and then I figure out who they were, call them on their on their cell phone there and say, I'm sorry, you know, you guys are there the wrong weekend. It's next weekend. You know, so they were excited. They actually hung around for a whole hour waiting for us to open the door so they can get in to go, you know, <laughs> to have a class and go shoot. That's how excited these people were. Excited, you know, and in, in the administration, this current administration wants you to think that you know people in the black community, you know, are not, you know, don't like firearms, not interested in firearms. Uh, that is far from the truth, you know, because these uh, these young black ladies, uh, older black women, you know, instead of going to church, you know, wanted to come on Sunday to a firearm safety course to praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. We come back from the break and we talk about this and more. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. And I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. Man, I'm telling you, if you don't get a chance to come to Central Texas Gunworks and attend our uh, comedy show, every third Saturday of the month, we have a comedy show called Guns and Giggles. Uh, we have free pizza, free beer, you know, courtesy of uh, Texas and U.S. Law Shield, that is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so come on over to Central Texas Gunworks on the third Saturday of the month. Enjoy some comedy guns and giggles and some free pizza and some free beer. You know why? Because if you have your license to carry handgun uh, as of September 1st of 2021, you're carrying a firearm, you got your license to carry handgun, you can be at least .08 the legal limit. Without a license, you cannot be intoxicated at all. So come on over to Central Texas Gunworks and enjoy some comedy, have some pizza, and have a beer. <laughs> Only in the gun store in Texas. Dilly, dilly. Dilly, dilly. Dilly, dilly. That's right. All right, so let's talk about Nancy Pelosi. That's it. All right, so Nancy Pelosi. Frankly, I don't care what the Republicans say. (laughs) Uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband was allegedly attacked by a madman who was homeless and a nudist, and he had a hammer. And so, Zach, what's up with this story? This is wild. Why are you asking me? I don't know about no nudist with a hammer. You know something about the <laughs> nudist and the hammer. You know, hammers are usually the you know one of the most deadly things out there. You know, more people. Well, they die kill with... more people than ARs. That's right. They sure do. Uh-huh. So more people die That's by weird. by hammers. They do an AR-15. Hammers and fists. That's right. All right. So man, this guy was he was homeless. He was a nudist, and he attacked him with a hammer. And he's just like, "Where's Nancy?" And honestly, no one no one should be subjected to this. You know, you should be safe in your own home. You know, in Texas, we have what we call the Castle Doctrine, where if someone unlawfully enters your home or tries to remove you from your home, you can use force, a deadly force, to stop them. So, you know, the only thing that comes to mind, you know, I have two things that pops up in my, you know, that actually pop up in my head. And one is, where was his security? You know, as the husband of the Speaker of the House of the United States, the, the House there, you know, in the United States, uh, the third person in line for the presidency, it goes the president, the vice president, then speaker of the house. You know, he should have had they, some type of security. And, you know, to my understanding, there was something on site there. How did this guy get in the house? His security definitely failed, uh, failed him. And then, hey, as a regular, you know, as a citizen who, you know, me, you, who are, who can, you know, who are listening to this, you should be able to protect yourself inside your home. 
And I think, you know, California needs to take a look at some of their laws there and allow people to protect themselves inside the home. Maybe change their gun laws a little bit because maybe he should have had a gun. You know, what do you think, Zach? Well, yeah, or a hammer. <laughs> I think he did have a hammer. I think, the guy, hammer. I think the guy took the hammer from him. <laughs> yeah, as oh, the police on, were man. getting there, they saw the struggle over the hammer, and then the attacker got the hammer oh. in front of the police. And started hitting him with it. So the police just stood there and let him take the hammer and just, you know. Apparently they came at the exact right moment when he got the hammer and started attacking him. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I always say, you know, you should take your personal safety in your own hands. You shouldn't, you know, don't wait for police to come and save you. You need to be your own first responder. You know, as a civilian, uh, you should, you know, you, you need to, you know, get a gun and protect yourself. Use an alarm system. Get a dog. That's what we tell our. That's what we tell people in the license to carry handgun course. So it should be okay for our elected officials. I don't know why we think elected officials should be put on some type of pedestal where they should be protected. You know, um, more so than any other regular citizen. You know, I should have. I I should be afforded the same protection as my elected official and their spouses uh, as well. So uh, the spouse, you know, had an opportunity to have a firearm to protect himself, and that's what he should have done. Um, and so if you, if your state does not allow that, then maybe you should take it up with the state of California. Get out of California. Yeah, that's right. Come All right. to Texas. Come to Texas, the Lone Star State. You have a castle doctor. We also have a stand your ground law here. All right, so let's get down. Let's go down these stories uh, real quick. All right, so. And we have a start the fight, lose the fight clause. I like that, too. <laughs> so a man was sh- another person was shot again in downtown Austin, Texas. Uh again. Okay. So another shooting in, you know, which is downtown Austin, uh literally a block away from the police department. Okay. Another one? Another shooting. Are we at a new all-time high? With so I actually in walking Austin is one of the five safest big cities in the country. In crawling distance from the police department. He he was shot and killed. Uh, hey, hey, hey. I know. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm not supposed to say this. That's right. It's it's election season. That's right. Uh, it's early voting going on that right now. That is not how we do things in the city of Austin. All right. So, yeah. So we're supposed to not talk about these things while early voting is going on because we don't want the election uh, to be affected. We don't want you to ter- change your vote from putting, you know, the same people in office who are going to do the same thing, who are not going to hire more police officers and and, and focus on training. That's right. So, again, another homicide in Austin, Texas, uh, one block away from the police department. Not even a block, less than a block away from the police department. You know what APD called it? You know how they classified it? What they classified it? It was a suspicious death. Oh, okay. All right. So, and then Seoul, Korea. Man, Seoul, you hear about that? Dozens more unconscious potty goers uh, carried out. In a narrow back street, back uh, with youngsters dressed like movie characters and overwhelmed uh, in this crazy scene there uh, in Seoul, Korea. Oh, stampede, right? Yeah, it's a stampede. So, like, how many people? I'll tell you. 153 how? dead. 150 people dead in Seoul, Korea. Man, that's crazy. And by st- and it's all stampede. By getting crushed. Not a hammer. Suffocating. Not a gun. 150 people stampede, all died at the same time. Wow. In moments from each other. Hmm. All right. Uh, aggravated assault and murder of a baby in the womb. Man, did you hear about that story? 
and I'm going through this pretty quick here. So a Texas man gets no jail time for beating his girlfriend and killing his pre-born baby. Uh, so this is a very interesting story uh, because this guy beats his girlfriend to a pulp. You know, didn't kill her, but he beat her pretty bad to the point that uh, the baby that she was carrying eventually died uh, days later after the beating. And so he got no jail time. And I want to say this is in, yeah, this is in Austin. Was it in Austin? Was it in Austin? Was it? Was it in Austin? No, it wasn't in Austin. No, wait up. Was it in Austin? Yes, it was in Austin. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, you, you, you're, there, there are some important people that we have in your city. Uh, one of your most, most important people, uh, one, most important person in your city is going to be your, your sheriff. Your sheriff can keep the federal government out of the county. They're important. And then your district attorney, because they're the ones that prosecute. My name is Jose Garza, and I'm humbled to be your district attorney. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you need to know who your sheriff and who your district attorney is, uh, because those are the two people that control the county that you live in. Um, and it, it's sad that this lady was beat to a pulp. Her baby died, unborn baby, eventually died days later. Um, and he gets zero jail time. That's what you're facing in, in Austin, Texas. And that's what's going to happen. You know, this guy is going to be out in the street. He's going to date someone else, and he's going to graduate because there's no responsibility. There's no accountability here. There's no reason for him to atone for what he's done because no one held him accountable. So he can go and do something else. Well, the whole modern stance, you know, seems to be that the unborn child is not a life, right? Mm. So that, which that, is it? That how, go, how that should goes, it be classified, right? That goes against that goes against, you know, what you know, this is Austin. This is Texas, you know. You know, and it does is it. it a life or is it just well, maybe it does cells? What is it? Maybe I have it opposite. I have it. I turned around a little bit. Uh, I get, well, I guess they don't care. No, that's maybe, well, maybe that's why they don't care. Oh, well, let's move on to the next story. We shouldn't care either. All right, so moving on. All right, so the Austin Police Department gun buyback program. Uh, so man, did you check that story out? So the those Austin old guns, those old rusty guns <laughs> from eighteen oh two. You got to see a picture of these guns. Uh, so Austin Police Department did this huge, humongous event, this buyback program. You know, community, come on in. We're going to take an entire day. We're going to let you bring in all your guns in a city of over a million people. What, what 1.5? How many people we have in Austin in the, in the surrounding area? 940,000? 940 in the city. In the city. Uh, and so, you know, come on, bring in all your guns, and we're going to let you turn them in. We're not going to ask any questions. We're going to give you um, some money for it, you know, for it and all that kind of stuff, and bring your ammunition as well. So how many guns do you think they got? How many guns did they get, Zach? We got like five. Eleven. Eleven guns. Ooh. One of them was a musket. Eleven guns and 500 rounds of ammunition. I carry more than that in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all serious right now? This is a joke. Well, let me tell you. All right, so you know, uh, next week I want to, you know, we're gonna we're gonna find out hopefully what happens with uh, a lot of these court cases that we're looking at that we're following. Um, also, 
Um, I want you to keep in mind of the McCutcheon versus USA. Uh, the plaintiffs are not seeking to overturn the bump stock ban. Rather, they just uh, contend that the government it's required under the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution to compensate them for taking away their bump stocks is all they're asking for. The case that we're following is going to be the Cargill versus um, Garland. That case there is says, hey, the ATF can't create law. They cannot regulate. Uh, only the Congress, only Congress can do that. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.